Sonic States. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk number 203. This is the post-NAM episode where we got back in late last night. Well, not late. Okay, early last night. And uh, so we've been hard at work at the studio just trying to get a few more videos up because we've got an awful lot. Uh, This person here is Rich Beach, who's... uh, um, who came with us uh, to Nam? He was uh, a Nam virgin beforehand, and now uh, now he's not. But uh, let me just flip over to some of our other guests. We've got Rich Hilton from Sunny Connecticut. How you doing, Rich? Very well, thanks. And you? I'm good too. Uh, good. I'm just I've just got PJ coming along the line, so I think we might get him too. Um, oh, cool! And we've got well, this is uh, and this is Rich Beach, StudioParanormal.com. Hello. And we've also got uh, Dave Spears, G4Software.com, a sort of NAM, what's the opposite of a virgin? A veteran. A veteran, a NAM veteran minus one, because it didn't go this week. I thought it was a slag. (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, I could have come up with something worse there. (laughs) Dave, did you put all that that time spent not, um, uh, not at NAM to good use? Yes. In short. Good. We're trying to sort of coincide sort of two or three things, so it's it's a bit like sort of juggling soot at the minute, but there juggling was some progress soot. made, which was good. Good. I'm glad to hear that. We made a lot of progress at NAM, And uh, we've got a... Who else have we got? Um, did I say hello to Rich Hilton? Gosh, I, this is it. I thought I was fine, and then I've just realised that my jet lag has kind of really started to kick in, and now I feel like I'm completely brainless. Um, so, um, yeah, did I say hello to Rich? I did, didn't I? Hi again, Nick. Hi again, yeah, Rich. Hello. It's, Gosh, it's it feels like only moments. Uh, well, let's say hello to Gaz Williams, uh, our uh, resident producer who's uh, based in Bristol. Um, how are you doing, Gaz? Yeah, I'm very good. I'd like to make a little announcement, if I may. Uh, please do. <laughs> My website is up. Woohoo! <laughs> only taken, so, only taken, I'm sure the wait has been worthwhile, though. Well, it's kind of, it's it's not quite finished, but you can find it on, um, it's songsurgeon.co.uk. Songsurgeon.co.uk. Right, I'm just typing that into the, uh, into the chat. <laughs> I, got a little, I got a little guest book there, so please uh, just uh, have a little scribble and say if you've been there. That'd be great. Excellent. Cool. Cool. Uh, right, well, that's everybody here. I'm going to go and get PJ now, because PJ has arrived. Uh, we'll get him too. PJ Tracy, of course, uh, from Minneapolis. Uh, Grammy winning. No, Emmy winning PJ Tracy. Hello, PJ. Yes. Ah, PJ Tracy. I just announced you. PJ Tracy, Emmy winning PJ Tracy, PJ Tracy music.com and all those things. How have you been? I have been very well, thank you. Yeah, other than it being bitterly, bitterly cold here this week. Uh I've been I've been great. Oh, that's excellent. I was I was just remarking just this minute, um, about this time yesterday, me and Rich were walking, looking at the sunset, the, at the end of Sunset Boulevard into the, into the Pacific, and it was about 80 degrees. It was just absolutely boiling over there this week. Perfect. It's, it, I must uh, say... I, d- I don't do it all, no. <laughs> well, I mean, we've had our fair share of all of that stuff here, so, you know, it was kind of... I suppose it's fair enough. I feel like I've earned it. It was a kind of good way to uh, to finish the show because we managed to finish the show. Yeah, we ended up we went into Santa Monica and just kind of hung out for a while, and it was really nice actually. It was just get a, get some positive, get some surfs and sea airs. The first time I actually smelt something organic for about a week. 
It was just dry and arid and just kind of, you know, had all the life taken out of it that uh, it can do at these trade shows. So, uh, so that, was a, that, that was really nice. So anyway, um, but welcome, PJ. Um, welcome, everybody else. I guess this is it. Um, 203, NAM 11. I don't know what, how many, what session of NAM it was. Uh, welcome to all the chat chat room um visitors it looks like um they've changed the way the chat room works at Ustream, which is who we're using to stream um you don't no long you no longer have to log in you can just be a Ustreamer 00284 but by that same token you can no longer log in either <laughs> so i'm not quite <laughs> sure how you actually get to be you um i guess if you do it via irc you might have a chance um but anyway, that's by the by. So, Nam, um, it's all over, um, bar the... Well, it's, it's nearly all over. It hasn't finished quite for us yet because we've still got a lot of videos. I think we've got about 76, 78 videos up and God knows how many news stories. The team has done a fantastic job. So the first thing I want to do is say... Brilliant. Well done to Trevor, who's our news desk editor. Also to Simon for editing some of the videos back home, or the, the, the lion's share of them, to be honest. And, uh, of course, to Rich, our new, our new guy, Thank Rich you. Beach there. I didn't introduce you either, officially. Yeah, this is Rich Beach. I did. Well, I introduced everybody. Rich Beach, Studio Paranormal here, um, who was also at NAM. And also, thank you very much to uh, Andy, of course, who's still over there in LA, um, suffering in the hot weather. Now, I think he's locked in a studio filming, doing, doing a private job filming um, Lexi Leon, working with Eddie Kramer. So it's, he's doing quite, you know, he's having quite a lot of fun. But I think when he came down to our Roach Motel in Anaheim, <laughs> we went back and dropped all his stuff off yesterday um, before we went down to, Ana uh, to Santa Monica to his... Uh, Beverly is Hollywood Hills Hilton, which was of a slightly different class than to what so we'd been nice. expecting. I think he even had a room to his own. <laughs> ah, anyway, so yeah, lots of fun we had. So um, really, it's uh, it's going to be pretty freeform, to be honest. Um, I mean, obviously, this now uh, I heard for from various people there that this was actually a, a major increase in both exhibitors and visitors. This week, was there were lots and lots of people there. Certainly, um, Saturday was pretty busy, but Thursday, the first day, was very busy, and Friday, too. Um, what we found, generally, was... I'm just trying to think, what would be the theme of the show? It kind of felt like there was... Um, they had an iPad app pavilion. I think pavilion yeah. is probably a little bit sort of fancier word for a row of stalls. There was almost an app for everything, though, if you, if you sort of walked around. That was definitely a big theme of the, the whole show. That's very true. An app for everything and everything in its app. So um, I'm afraid, myself personally, I am c almost completely brainless. I thought I was going to be able to wing it, but I can't actually remember hardly anything from the show. But if I'm prompted, I might be able to recall some details. <laughs> <laughs> so I was just thinking whether or not... Um, I know, Gaz, you've, uh, you, were, you were saying that you've watched a lot of the stuff. Were there any kind of highlights there? What was the kind of big news for you so far? Ooh, there's so many, really. Um, I thought that the Elise's, uh iPad Studio Dock, um, which actually was an advert on all of the clips that I watched, so I watched that over and over again. Looks amazing. Really makes it really looks like it's going to take the iPad into really practical kind of live and musical kind of uses. So I thought that was really good. Yeah, um, fabulous to see the new one that went up today. The one about the uh, teenage engineering OP one. Now that that's a, a reality. Yeah, well, um, they, they apparently they made. Um, I'm not sure how many they made. Eighty or something, I think. Uh, and the first is gone. <laughs> yeah, it looks great. What did you think? Uh, well, it it looked absolutely. One thing I was really pleased to see because I remember when we first saw this, and I I was sceptical. I thought it might have been a bit of a not a joke, but a kind of prototype to 
to kind of wangle a bit more synth design. And, and obviously, I was completely wrong there, which is great to know. Uh, but the display looks absolutely fabulous. The design that they've put mm-hmm. into it, the way that all the little icons kind of represent what you're doing is just so completely obvious, but beautifully simple. Like, for instance, there's an EQ section. And the EQ, uh, there is a, a blue knob, a green knob, and a red knob. And uh, that's bottom, middle, treble. And the bass is represented by uh, a, a cylinder. The middle is represented by a, a, a sort of cube, extruded cube. And the top end is, is, a, is a pyramid. And it's just mm. like complete. you look at it and you go, yeah, that actually looks kind of like the frequency that I'm... D-. It's really just... And it's full of things like that. There's even a little reverb in there where you, t- you twist the, the coils of the spring so you get more coils for longer. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. really beautiful. And the, it's an OLED display and it updates in real time. And there's all sorts of... When there's uh, LFOs and what have you, it's absolutely fantastic. It really is uh, really cool. And I think they, they've, they've sold out. I think I said that, but they're going to get some more coming pretty soon. I'm guessing they're going to be making a lot of them i think it's 800 bucks or is it 800 euros i think it might be 800 euros um i can check that so it's not you know it's not cheap but it does look a thing of beauty and you can tell that there's a whole bunch of work gone into it most definitely did, I mean, did that things like obviously? I think it's probably mini jack outputs on there, though, is it? But I mean, did it all look quite you know sturdy so you could actually use it live? Uh, I didn't really get the chance to wiggle the connections, but I'm guessing it would have mm-hmm. to be surface mount given the thickness of the thing. Because mm-hmm. um, they have, they've kind of built it a bit like the the unibody Max, haven't they? With like a kind of one piece aluminium sort of oh have they casing. you know yeah. what i didn't think to touch it i felt somehow that i couldn't <laughs> i don't know why it's it, it it was it must have been the sort of the fact that somebody else knew how it worked and i just didn't really if i touched it i'd have probably just blow made it you know made it go wrong made the demo sort of <laughs> blow his demo although it wasn't a smooth yeah. demo it was he's a really nice bloke that was uh, i think it was i can't remember his name now there we go that's another mm-hmm. i'm still suffering from that nam full buffer syndrome but uh, I, th- I thought the, uh, the the Kronos, obviously, I think, which probably is maybe the was that the big was that the big E in the that show? That was. I mean, we went to that... the pre- we went to the press conference, didn't we, Rich? Yeah, I think that that was definitely uh, Korg would like to hear that that was the big E of the show. Well, they had so many <laughs> things to offer. I mean, the thing about the Kronos, uh, I mean, obviously, nobody knew anything. I, I'll tell you what, I even met some of the Korg people on the plane on the way over, and they still wouldn't tell me what it was. <laughs> you know, it's like I, it couldn't escape. You know, I said, look, I can't tell anybody, and they just said no. And it was like, well, fair enough. Um, but yeah, the Kronos was pretty impressive. And it sounded, I mean, we, we went to the press bash, which was on the Wednesday night. And uh, uh, and in fact, I won a watch. You did, indeed. Uh, I'm just, hold on, I'm just going to go and get it a second. I didn't win anything. <laughs> yeah, I watched the video of the display. Uh, I was a little bit dismayed to see Jordan Rudess pop up again. <laughs> well, he did, he did a really good job of demoing oh, come it. come on. Actually, he was... <laughs> He was, but yeah, oh, he is on. omnipresent. Here's my watch. It's a um, very talented man. <laughs> oh, so he, well, he's just uh, you know, if he endorses everything, it sort of just diminishes. Devalues, his, devalues the point of endorsing anything. I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. Well, I think but he's, he's I a think long he's time. Mostly, they're pitching his own stuff, isn't he? Doesn't he? Have no, he wasn't. He was. A, he's a long time. He, uh, he was a lot. He's a long time. Long time. I know he's a clinician and everything, but yeah. you know. <laughs> 
He's a nice chap. Anyway, he was talking because he got that. Actually, what well, that was one thing he said because he said he'd just he'd been in China until recently touring with Dream Theater and he picked up something really bad. And he was lying in bed two days previously thinking he'd never make it to this demo. At which point he, I went up to say hi and he shook my hand and I was thinking I, I really I don't know what to do now because I, I feel like I should run off and wash it immediately rather than the other way around, which you usually do when you meet celebs, you know. But um, anyway, no. Back to the core cross. Um, very impressive demo. Uh, the the big news of that is it's got an SSD built into it, so it's got I think it's twelve odd gigabytes of sample ra- of Something samples like on there. Streams from disc, instantaneous access. The piano is really really good, actually, um, really quite impressively good, and that was played by a number of people, including Jordan. Um, and the, w- the other thing that was really nice was the um, the fact that it had some of the legacy collection in it. So it's got the MS-20, which you can also patch. It's got the patching, so you can use that via the, the patch bay and also uh, the Poly 6. And I think the other thing that I saw that was quite interesting from a synthesis point of view was the fact that it's got an FM uh, interface, an inter- interface to an FM synthesizer, which I think that's pretty interesting. I mean, from what I saw, it was kind of done in a sort of pot... Uh, uh, a kind of modular patching sort of way. So you use cables with that as well. So that'd be really interesting to see if any of that makes it down to some of the smaller products because obviously this costs a fortune. You know, I mean, it's a it's a flagship project. Product. I think the cheapest map was three grand, $3,000 for the 61 key one. So it's not cheap, but uh, it does look pretty impressive. And it's black for a change, which is not, and, not the usual Korg way. Sorry, Rich. The fact that it's not, the fact that it's not cheap promises me that within the next three years, there will be ones that cost half as much with different key beds and maybe four or five synth engines rather than nine and are expandable for all we know. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I mean, I'm sure that's going to be the case. Uh, Micro Kronos, anybody? (laughs) Fairly soon. Maybe next year, eh? Does it it replace like the M3 line then? Is Is that the plan? I think it sort of bridges the gap between whatever the top of their range was and the Oasis. Right, right. I'm guessing because the Oasis was like seven grand or something, wasn't it, or some some enormous amount? When, yeah, and when you release something and call it a flagship, typically it's not taking down the rest of the product line. Sure, you know, you know what I mean. When you say this is our flagship product, usually the whole rest of the product line is still out there. You know, because they're not trying to compare their own flagship product mm. with everything else in their line. They're saying this is the one. That's why it costs so much. And if you don't got that much, we got all of these over here. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and PJ, did you get a chance to um to see the Chronos material? There was buckets of it. I put up the entire presentation as well. I did. Um, I didn't get to see the uh, the longer presentation, but I saw the um <clears throat> kind of the shorter video that was an overview. And uh, one thing that struck me is that um finally and <clears throat> maybe maybe i'm just out of out of the loop for a while but finally somebody has uh put a solid state drive in one of these workstations and now you can access multiple gigabytes worth of data from the workstation and i think it's it's time that somebody does this and i'm glad to see korg has done it yeah I, I mean i'm sure it's been been has been done before somewhere along the line but in a kind of bespoke production hardware that wasn't i'm sorry a, a not a non custom hardware i think it's got to be uh, a first but impressive stuff I mean, it's it one of those sound. things. I know, Rich. Um, Rich here. Um, you've never been to one of these events before. I mean, did you find it kind of uh, uncontrollably uh, widdly, as it were, <laughs> or was it actually pretty good? Hold on, that's probably going to be um, Dave Robinson now phoning in late. Hold on one second. You carry on, Rich. <clears throat> um, 
in terms of wiliness of the demo, um, there's some really impressive playing. Obviously, uh, the rudest factor was extremely wiggly, but it looked it it did look like a really sort of user friendly uh, interface. It looked like it could be quite a cool thing to use actually, but um, way out of my price range. So I don't think I'll get to know unless we do a demo. Yeah, there was plenty of wiggly. I'm sorry, Gaz. <laughs> Go ahead. That's okay. <laughs> no, just uh, following up on the uh, the SSD point, and just you know, you know, you notice how like certain computer developments they take quite a long time before they filter into sort of um, uh, you know hardware kind of keyboards. You know, just like to do with like you know, like things like the amount of RAM you get in them, and you know, it all seems so tiny compared to what you know computers even really cheap computers offer so yeah it's interesting to see that ssd is kind of coming in at this relatively early stage and also i mean it can't it can't help you know but actually drive the price of it down if you've got companies actually putting loads of it into um Mm. off the shelf hardware no dave spears yeah any um anything exciting from about this stuff from your point of view yeah, there was a few things. Um, I like Tempest. That sounded great. Oh, yeah, um, the the, uh, the Dave Smith and uh, Roger Lynn. They're a great double act. Roger Lynn is always great to interview because he sounds like he should be on the radio. He's got such a radio voice. Yeah, it was a very laid-back presentation. Yeah, <laughs> always is. Um, I put them at their I, ease, you see. I quite like the idea of trying to win that OMG thing and smuggle that in the room here. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and remain married. Um, that Waldorf Zarenberg thing, I'd quite like to try that. It sounded a bit sweet, but if it's got that kind of rasp and honk that I would like out of an uh, electric piano, then that might be good. The Macbeth, was that the MX1, the 5U thing that he was playing? I didn't do that I, one. I was uh, I was downstairs. We we what we did is we started at either end of the uh, the stand and kind of met in the middle. Uh, honestly, I just just as a quick one. I can't imagine, you know, I, I've always said it's terrible at the, the drum hall, right? But going onto the Analog Haven um, booth, it was so, so loud with such a lot of noise that was kind of almost completely difficult, you know, really kind of quite abrasive and sort of modular, essentially. I can't imagine what those people are like after four or five days on that stand. They must be mad. They must just, I mean, I wouldn't want to, you would not want to give an automatic weapon to any of those people after five or six days. Just be really, uh, yeah, irresponsible. Uh, No, I love, and that Elise's Pro Audio doc, like Gaz said, I thought that looked really interesting and well, I, we'd like to thank Elise for their sponsorship of the uh, of the coverage. But yeah, it did look good. It was it's great to have you know to be sponsored by a product that actually looks like you know it's pretty useful. They did some really good um, iPad stuff. They had another one which is the MPK forty nine. I think it was a forty nine, and that I, I'm not sure if the video's up for that yet. But essentially, it's a it's a full controller with transport controls that you put the iPad into. And when you see that and you think, wow, all that screen real estate for me to access synthesis functions with a keyboard, you sort of go, hmm. Mm. And it's a full integration. It's got audio out. It's got video. You know, it's got a whole bunch of stuff out. It's really, wow. really important. It starts to, you start to think, okay, this is actually getting quite exciting. Mm. Uh, you know, I think I'm going to have to pull the trigger on an iPad now because uh, the, uh, the Spectrasonics announcement for the new uh, 1.5 Omnisphere comes with a, an iPad app and this thing called the Orb. Uh, and oh, yeah, that, that was looks, cool. 
That looks really great. So, I mean, you know, I've been like on the, I've been on the fence about this iPad business, but when I saw that, I thought that's it. We now. should have an, <laughs> a, a sort of exclusive Eric video for that. Um, he, but they they shoot it all on multiple. Um, full HD cameras and then give us the footage and do do a mix of it and stuff. So they have very tight control of what comes out of there. But the thing we did get was the opportunity to see the OMG one, which was the prize for this Bob Move Foundation competition. And Eric, actually, this this it was really funny because at the end, the, the show finished and he said, oh, you should have a look at this. And they, they pulled it, the whole show sort of shut down and he was busy trying to get it started because one of the iPads had run out of juice and we had to kind of sort all of that out. And it was basically let me have a look inside it was kind of real that was real exclusive stuff and it's a beautiful beautiful thing and really brilliantly integrated with spectrasonics um but he's been uh with omnisphere um anyway but but it's just to reiterate it is not a commercially available thing it's only something that he's designed so that they can use it as a uh, a competition prize to promote the whole bob move foundation thing anyway Great just idea. just just quickly on the subject of uh, Spectrosonics, so you know, uh, with Omnisphere, uh, I bought it a couple of years ago, and then I I wasn't using it very much initially. So I went to sell it, and then realised that you couldn't actually sell it, or it's very difficult to sell because of um, that you have to pay Spectrosonics. I think I to, want to uh, transfer the license. Yeah, you know, and then once you transfer the license, that's it. The person who buys it can't sell it on at all, or doesn't get any kind of uh, upgrade sort of init- uh, incentives. Uh, so I was like, oh. But then you kind of see now, I mean, like Omnisphere's been around for two years. Now they're launching this 1.5. It's all uh, free update. as well. I mean, that's what's so bonkers. Yeah, so you sort of, so I've kind of like changed my mind about it and thought, well, you know, this is, uh, you know, I'm actually getting really great long-term support for my investment, you know. So, yeah, so I thought big thumbs up for them. Right, I've got a couple of things to do. First of all, I've got to go and get uh, Dave Robinson. So I'm going to do that right now. See if I can get pick him up. He's on the phone. So let's see where... Where we get, and then we've got to do the ad. Dave Robinson. Hello. Come in, please. Hello there. Dave Robinson, editor of Pro Sound News Europe, of course, uh, Man About Town. I actually did see you maybe once, I think, at oh, now. Really, so very briefly. You yeah. were definitely about town. <laughs> not, uh, not about me, as it were. But before I go any further, Dave, I've just got to do the ad, and maybe you can come in uh, just afterwards. So we want to say thank you. <laughs> so if you could just... I love Yamaha. Is yes. It's, it's I was actually up. hoping that Dave would provide some underscore for the ad. <laughs> well, perhaps. Have you got a mute? Have you got a mute button? Because it's not that. It's just once your phone cuts in, you you have a sort of. Uh, it's, it it brings brings your breathing up quite heavily, and it makes you sound like you're breathing more heavily than you probably are. But anyway, we'll oh, say. Sure. We're you get me so excited. <laughs> you say the nicest things, Dave. We'll get you on video one day and we'll just see how excited you are, eh? Um, I wouldn't do that. No, okay. Well, anyway, I want to say thank you very much to the show sponsors. Of course, Yamaha uh, are are the sponsors of the show. And uh, we thank them very much for their continued sponsorship. Um, And they're currently um, want to bring your attention to the HS50M and HS80M, which are active studio monitors. These are based uh, loosely on the concept of the Yamaha and S10Ms, which are the sort of classic white-coned passive studio monitors that we all know and love. Well, some of us love, some of them hate, but anyway, the old adage goes, if you can make a mix sound any good on the uh, NS10Ms, then they'll sound good anyway. And it goes pretty much the same on the HS uh, series. These are bi-amped twin systems. So you've got HS50 has got a uh, a 5-inch driver, 70 watts. HS80M has 8-inch driver, 120 watts. And we know, and Yamaha also know, that it's impossible for you to appreciate how good they are. I mean, I could review them and tell you what I thought of them. 
Uh, you could watch someone on video think, you know, showing you the, the good and bad points. But with speakers, it's kind of pretty irrelevant. What you need to do is really head down to a Yamaha dealer near you. And obviously in the UK, they've got all the Pulse stores. Uh, go to yamahadownload.com and it will show you where you can go. Take some listening material and uh, have a listen to the Yamaha HS80 or the HS50, depending on which, uh, which float your boat. And just see how you get on with them. Because... Um, I've heard, in fact, there's a couple of people who've been in the chat room said, I've got a pair of these, they sound awesome, my mixes sound great, you know, so, I mean, really, you need to check it out for yourself, because speakers are a very personal thing, so, yamahadownload.com, check out the Pulse stores, in the US, I'm sure there are uh, similar things, I'm not sure the exact way it works, but I'm sure a lot of the big stores that stock Yamaha will stock these, and be more than happy to let you have a listen to them, so you can figure them out, um, while I'm at it, go to yamahadownload.com anyway because there's a load of great articles and also stuff about the X, the Motif XF. One of the things uh, which is that there is in fact uh, a now a Karma functionality on the Motif XF OS, so uh, something to check out. So anyway, yamahadownload.com and don't forget, head out and check out the Yamaha HS50 or HS80M uh, active studio monitors and see um, just how they work for you. Right. Dave Robinson. Um, we've been sort of going through some of our favourite points of the uh, of the show. I'm guessing from your perspective, which is more of a sort of pro audio sound reinforcement broadcast kind of thing, uh, it, your perspective is likely to be sort of different. I did notice that one of your stories of the show was a Shaw microphone, which um, I, d- I must it passed me by. Um, would you care to elaborate, or is there other stuff um, that has more? Well, actually, it's it's more of a, a wireless system. Uh, it's uh, kind of, I wouldn't say a cognitive device as, as a phrase that's been banded around, but it's it's kind of a, a super intelligent wireless system which actually detects interference and automatically changes the the frequency that the um, the wireless system is working at, and it does it smoothly. So uh, because it's got a, a dual, um, it's got two two antennae, so it will um, hold the frequency you have until it finds somewhere, and then it'll it'll move over. Now, it, this sounds this kind of sounds like what? So what? Well, um, I don't know how much Sonic State listeners or, or how much you've talked about the whole um, selling off of the of the spectrum, and we've we've talked about this in the past, haven't we? Yeah, yeah, we have about, um, about the, the the wireless spectrum is is being sold off, and after 2012, everybody will will um, all these kind of basically all the kit that's used wireless systems um, in theatre and in broadcast and uh, anywhere where a pop star is running around on stage without a handheld microphone, it all becomes redundant if it doesn't work on channel 38, which currently is being used, believe it or not, um, by um, astronomers. It's the radio astronomy uh, channel. So they're being moved off there, and channel 38 is what's going to... um, the bandwidth, which is, I'm not exactly sure what the frequencies are, but it's uh, that's where all wireless systems are going to have to sit. And increasingly, people like Sennheiser and Shaw and Audio Technica and all those guys are having to build wireless systems that operate in this frequency band. And what Shaw have done is come up with a system that not only operates there, but will um, will move to move the frequencies around if it detects, you know, a local a local taxi service, for instance, that's a classic one, you know, <laughs> or um, or somebody else broadcasting on that frequency. Um, digital, uh, sorry, um, if there's any particular TV channels um, broadcasting in, within that band, so it it doesn't sound like a big deal, but it's a real it's kind of got a step massive, forward. yeah, it's wide-reaching. 
Yeah, and you're going to see more of that. You're going to see other players having to come up with this sort of smart technology, if you like, uh, technology that will fix itself if it detects a problem, rather than, you know, uh, as I've seen at Eurovision Song Contest I've been to, where um, the, the wireless expert will sit there with a spectrum analyzer looking for bands and setting the microphone frequencies manually. The technology actually does it itself. So um, it's quite a big deal. Uh, yeah, because, I mean, um, you always have to kind of take engineers along with you, don't you, specifically, who can deal with all the wireless stuff. It's going to affect us because we all use wireless mics, so all of us are going to be illegal or obsolete pretty uh, soon. Well, or they're just going to pick up um, noise. Mm. Yeah, I mean, after when they, um, I think after the, they're basically waiting till after the Olympics. So Ofcom have said so they can get through the they can get through the Olympics in this country um, without um, without having upsetting too many people. But um, after that, it's uh, it's thrown away stuff. So really, what what uh, we should have been in wireless uh, communications. We should have been investing in wireless heavily in wireless communications so that we can enjoy the enormous amount of money that's going to have to be spent on re-kitting all these touring rigs all the all of this stuff's going to have to be re-kitted isn't it all of it well exactly exactly uh, and there are there are rumors that when um because the if you have a if you are properly licensed to use the the um the, the wireless in the particular bands um i think it's between 30 what is it between 31 and 68 or whatever it was but um, if you're properly licensed, then December the 31st was a cutoff for you to apply for compensation. And the government, supposedly, but anything could happen with this in this country with the, with the cuts, um, the government are supplying, uh, are compensating um, wireless technology providers 55% um, of their money. And the payout happens in April. So when they get this payout, supposedly, the, the Shores and the Sennheisers and the Audio Technicas and the Trantex and all these guys are going to do um, months' worth of business in about five minutes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so there's going, there's going to be a massive spend in this part of the community. But nobody wants to buy anything at the moment because um, they're, they're still waiting to see if the payout is happening. Actually going to happen. So, oh, right. I didn't yeah. realise that. Yeah, it's a, big, it's a big old deal. And, and in, the UK, in the UK, we're sort of... Um, we're streets ahead of other other countries in the European community, for instance, uh, that are sorting this out. So, um, because of the likes of John Stephen, ex of Sennheiser, and Alan March of um, of, of Sennheiser, and uh, the guys at Audio Technica, and various other associations, the Plaza Association, for instance, um, the lobbying that they've done and the money they've spent on it, um, that we uh, we've actually made some advances. But if they hadn't have done this lobbying, then we'd have been in a lot of trouble. Mm. It, sound, you know, it sounds like one of those things, you know, well, there'll be a solution, you know, well, it'll all work out in the end. But actually, if this hadn't happened, if, if this, and if you look into this and you, and you look at the, the, the negotiations they've had to have with Ofcom yeah. and uh, the Save Our Sound group, if they hadn't have done this, then we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have had that frequency um, allowance. And uh, the, the, the big companies, the big comms providers would come in and take in the spectrum and everybody would be back to using handheld wired microphones. Can you imagine West End Theatre and Broadway and, you know, all that kind of stuff? Can you imagine Reason. Madonna? Yeah, wow, that's a big deal, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And that, it, it's only just it, a solution has been found through this lobbying. But if it hadn't, we'd have gone back to uh, technology 20 years ago. Wires. Yeah, wired, basically, yeah. You wouldn't have Madonna jumping through hoops and... You know, God forbid. That... Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks, Dave. No, that's, I, did, I didn't realise there was quite so much to it, but that's, that, that's, oh, I understand why it does it. make a, a, a really big... Um, 
any other um, PJ? Any other highlights for you from the show? Sorry, had my mute on. Um, uh, yes, absolutely. Um, I purchased Stutter Edit. Isotope ah, Stutter yes. Edit. Very good. Um, it uh, uh, is uh, uh, actually all all the hyperbole aside. Um, you know, in in the demonstration of the software, it is really it's really fantastic. It does what it says on the tin. Uh, there's a question that I, I meant to ask BT, but didn't actually get round to it at the time. It's like, what makes this different from the Access Virus um, thing? Uh, from the TI Polar thing? Yeah. There. Uh, that's a good question. I don't have any hands-on experience with that. All all I know is it's it sounds different. Okay. Than um than almost that anything that that I've heard out there, and that the kind of effects that it can produce. Um, would generally take hours and hours and hours and hours and hours of hand editing using multiple plugins to achieve what. Have you heard this binary, um, uh, this binary universe? Have you heard the album? Well, the BT one. Yeah. Yes. No, I've not actually. No, is it? Uh... Well, because I mean, he must be using some of the effects he achieves on there. Uh, uh, he must yes. be using the stutter edit. I mean, it's incredible, but it does sound like um, it does sound like artifacts from digital. Uh, it's supposed to sound like that, mm. but it sounds like uh, somebody made a mistake when they were mastering it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm so <laughs> glad that BT didn't ask me that question. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what that's what I heard from the people at. Uh, well, no, I won't. I won't name any names. But uh, did you actually get to interview him? I did. Well, he gave us the demo. Yeah, he gave us the oh, demo. Oh, see, it could uh, it could do getting one side of his haircut, couldn't he? Do you think it looks. Like, yeah, it's, it's a little bit uneven. No, he was a really nice. A really, really nice guy. He was totally into because we have these um, brilliant. Um, camera rigs made um andy made them we just sort of designed them for to get the sort of maximum uh, workflow and sort of handiness out of it and he was just he he, he said i've been stalking you because i wanted to know where you got them and we uh, so we're gonna we might uh, do something with him it was kind of interesting that um i i, I think also while i was just before i was going to interview him uh, john van eaton came over and i actually met him in person it's really weird meeting someone that you kind of communicate on a weekly basis and you never having met but uh, i want to say hi to john van eaton and also hi to a couple of other podcaster listeners uh, aaron um and also mira uh who joined us in the hilton bar at six o'clock uh, and stayed with us for the majority of the evening where we were um where we enjoyed a, f- a full refreshment um regime <laughs> i think it would be fair to <laughs> say <laughs> yeah well some of us got more than others um I think Rich, Rich, being sort of his first time at Nam, was you know was was enjoy, enjoyed himself to the max. I ended up in a in a Ford Mustang about two o'clock in the morning. I think so. There we go. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So yeah, we had a lot of. Uh, and I'm just trying to think, but yeah, big hello to Mira, really nice girl, uh, and Aaron, very nice people, and also we met the Synthtopia people, also really really nice. Uh, um, uh, James and Elizabeth, and I'm trying to think, there was someone else I met as well. It's completely gone. That's the thing. You know, I've forgotten already. It's ridiculous. I still haven't kind of quite recovered and haven't had time to bring it back. But um, now, what other highlights? Rich, did Rich uh, Beach here, did you have any highlights? Um, yeah, probably far too many to mention in the, uh, in the time that we have. But um, obviously, I'm a guitar guy, so I'll try and keep this actually away from the guitar stuff. Um, I thought the VRM box thing. Uh, the focus right the focus right thing was awesome um if if it sounds as good as i've heard a few people say it sounds that's really interesting for those who perhaps don't know what that is uh, i think there's a video up it's basically a very high quality usb audio interface geared to be a headphone amp tied in with the, uh, the this uh 
I guess it's a bit like impulse kind of recording and uh, of rooms with various speakers in. So you could you've got the choice of three rooms. You've got a bedroom, a living room, and a and a proper a studio, studio room with various different speaker types. And what they've done is they've sampled all these things in the sweet spot. So you could listen on headphones. I guess you need kind of pretty good quality headphones to get them benefit from it. So you can audition your mix in all of those environments. And although it sounds like a um, it sounds like a kind of bit of a, a, you know, just a sort of gimmick. I think actually it has the potential to be kind of quite changing, you know, for people who can't yeah. listen in lots of places. I did ask him whether or not they were going to do a car because <laughs> we, we had a hire car and we were just astonished at the way the, hi- the hi-fi sounded in there, the stuff it brought out at the bottom end. But I think, uh, nonetheless, this, I think it's 99 bucks. It's got a signal-to-noise ratio of 108 dB. And it's got an SP diff in, was that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. So yeah. you could you could take it from a separate output of your, uh, you know, your Pro, Pro Tools rig or whatever, or the other audio interface. I don't know, what do you think, Rich? Is that, Rich Hilton, do, do you think that's feasible? Or do you think, uh, is that you saying it's a can of worms to do with this particular product? I'm just, I'm not sure if it's a can of worms, and I really need to hear it, and I'm not sure what I think of this, except... I like I said, uh, I, I'm from I'm from Missouri, the Show Me State. You got to show this thing to me. I got to hear it. I got to become convinced that it's not adding to my confusion. Yeah, because sure. I use headphones on occasion. I rare I don't really mix on headphones, but I will pop a set on in the middle of a mix once in a while to check something, particularly bottom end, and because uh, of the nature of our room and. I, I just don't know if being able to apply all of these DSP characteristics to the headphone experience is clarifying my vision of what I've got. Right. Or if it's more or if it's obfuscating it. And I and I'm and when I say I don't know, I really don't know. I'm just, I, it's pure speculation and I'm not sure here if this is just a huge can of worms or something really cool. I I think I mean for the price, some of the people that might be buying it. Um, if they don't have the experience at monitoring, you know, in, in a nice studio with a nice set of headphones, they might come out with some quite weird mixes, I think. Um, you have to have a good knowledge of the way that sound works inside a room and the way that, right. um, and, and the way that waveforms bounce around as well. Yeah, I know. I think that's true. Is it, is it enough ho- Is it enough rope with which to hang themselves? <laughs> that's the question. <laughs> I don't know. It's good. You I guys, think... you know, this is, this is not new technology either. Um, no, I don't think focus, it is. Focus. Yeah. Focusrite released this on one of their flagship uh, um, audio interfaces. That's right, yeah. And uh, I read an interv- or I read a review of this in Sound on Sound magazine, and I don't remember who it was. If it was if it was Paul White or or one of the other reviewers that that routinely review for them, and they said it was okay. You know, they kind of they kind of gave it a uh, a ho hum. But I think with with uh, with Rich, um, you know, it's something that you'd have to hear and see whether or not it would be practical for you. Yeah, I, I just it, it just seemed like a really cool idea, and that's. But I, I take your point. If it's if it's a cool idea that just doesn't work, then what's the point? <laughs> uh, they also, I'm um, D- Dave Robinson. You probably uh, know a bit more about the uh, the the Red Net uh, technology because they brought out a kind of studio networking kind of system as well, based on on the uh, the, the old the old Red um, rack systems. We were jokingly, uh, in fact, I think we were we were talking about it. that's when I saw you, weren't you? We were joking that perhaps they had a load of blanking panels left from the red system that they that's right so they, they, need, to do something with they it. need to remachine and use up for something yeah yeah well that is interesting because they're um they've done a deal with ordinate and this digital uh sorry the dante <laughs> digital audio uh, audio networking technology which um is becoming increasingly prevalent uh, but as mainly in the live the live arena and in the installation um 
sector. So uh, for high quality uh, delivery of, of audio and data through a single Cat5, I think it's just a single Cat5 cable. I'm not supposed to know about this thing and stuff, but yeah, it's through a single um, cable effectively. Yeah. Um, but for it to come into the studio so you can network and, tr- and transport um, data and information around um, in the studio environment is um, it's quite it's a, it's a big deal. It's uh, it's it's the first one really of, it, of its kind. The the Joco um, digital recorder, which is mainly for, used for live use, has got a Dante card, but um, it means that your Focusrite system can talk to your Yamaha desk. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's a it's a very interesting development, and I think you're going to see more and more of this. I, I thought of, I um, thought it was given. I, I suppose I thought it was given. It was. What did you say the latency was? Three milliseconds. Yeah, that seems kind of low to me. I mean, I don't know whether it's low enough. I mean, I don't know what. Um, well, I don't know what uh, what audio down a long wire latency is. Probably not that much, but <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't say. But, well, it's but it's for um, you know it's for it's for systems that um, that where multiple multi, multi core cables. I mean, you're talking about using one single cable rather than a big multi core between various parts of your studio, and that's a, a significant saving. Yeah, in, no, I know. I go. I would go along that. I mean, the installation it makes perfect sense in the installation. I mean, you bung a few yeah. pairs down there. I mean, it's what they do in studio uh, in uh, theatres a lot as well, isn't it? Now, they, exactly. Still... Well, as I say, it's been very much used in the. Um, in the live live arena, and uh, you're seeing more and more sort of theatres and conference halls and that kind of stuff being installed with um, with this kind of technology. It's I, not very it's not very sexy, you know. I mean, it's a it's a bit no, kind it, of it's a bit vague. But do you think that's why they put the, 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 the beautiful machine CNC red panels on the front of it to make it look well? Look, exactly, look, yeah. Look really it's sexy. one of the ma- the major talking points in the, uh, the 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 networking live industry. Is is what the winning format is, whether it's going to be Dante or mm. Ether Sound or Cobanet yeah. or all these things. Well, which I mean, probably, yeah. I, I think that's yeah. that, that's obviously going to help influence it, isn't it? If it if it starts to become prevalent in another sector. And one thing that was interesting, I mean, and the, the, for me, probably the the biggest news of the show in terms of just kind of features for money was the Behringer stuff. I mean, I was blown away by what they had on offer, particularly the Xenix desk, because I, I went to see um, and this. But there was a, a little company downstairs that were doing this little board that you put on the back of a mixer or anything, and it's like a USB stroke Firewire audio interface with uh, audio recording capabilities. And I asked them whether this was in the Behringer Xenix UFX desk because that's what it has, and they they couldn't they wouldn't uh, be they wouldn't be drawn on it. But basically, the the Behringer stuff. First of all, Xenix UFX desk. It's got two effects units. It's a sixteen channel, uh, eight mic pre's of the Xenix mic pre's, which is kind of their version of higher quality mic pre's. Uh, each one has its own uh, variable compressor stroke limiter on it, so it's just a knob that you turn. But that's per channel. Uh, but it's got USB or Firewire audio interface built in, 16 out, 4 in, but as well as a USB port that you can plug like a USB disc into and just press record without the lose of a computer. What that does is it writes 16 discrete WAV files from all the incoming channels directly to a disc. So you could take this, record a show, take the drive back and plug it in without having to take a computer or anything with you. And that kind of blew my mind a little bit, really, because it was so such a lot of stuff and it's like 800 bucks or whatever mm. and that i mean behringer are really uh going some at the moment and they've got some amazing products coming out i mean as well as the uh what was it the uh, 
the this uh, I can't for the X32 digital desk, which is still going to be a little while in the making, but that is really impressive too. With that's uh, what's up, Dave? Did you did you get to see that? I, I didn't actually. No, I've read about it. It's kind of um, uh, I was interested to see what 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 they were going to do with the, the Midas, the higher end, you know, the live consoles. But I did uh, I did see that there was another Xenix or, or or whatever desk brought out. I'm I'm always amazed seeing pictures of Uli Berenger though. He, he seems to discover the, the the fountain <laughs> of youth. Yeah, exactly. Um, either you know, there's a, there's a painting in his attic that's uh, you know the Dorian Gray style. <laughs> it's um, it's quite unnerving. But uh, on this point though, um, that Newmark bought the Alto brand. Did you see that at all? Uh, no. Well, this is uh, Alto was a kind of uh, I think it's Taiwanese uh, brand that had kind of been languishing. And Newmark, who um, who already owned Elysium, as we know, have bought this whole Alto brand and brought um, a, a load of uh, different products within that, including portable PA systems, amplifiers, and con- controller keyboards and you know, powered mixers. So they're uh, even though the brand name has been around, they're kind of re-engineered and um, they're, they're kind of being relaunched, and it's a real sort of challenge to the likes of. Behringer and Mackie and all those guys that that have those little 16 into 2 desks and 32 yeah. into 4 and all that kind of stuff. So it'd be interesting to to, to watch what happens there because um, Jack O'Donnell, who's the head of Newmark, who bought Elysis, you know, he's uh, he doesn't mess about. You know, he's uh, he's an aggressive businessman, and you can be sure that he's going to be putting this stuff on, out there to take on the likes of. Uh, of what Uli and uh, the other guys are doing. So uh, yeah, one to watch. Yeah, I mean, it seems like, um, I mean, Behringer, they, they seem to have upped their game quite a lot this year. Um, they've got some real cool DJ stuff on the go as well. I think it was called the Knox series. Um, yes, I saw that. The biggest of which was the, the 606. And um, it seemed like a really sort of easy to use and sort of quite intuitive um, little mixer for, for people who are just getting there, you know, even if they're just getting started. Hmm. And of course, it'll be um, it'll be priced lower than everything else as well. Which exactly, and, and they're that, black as well, aren't they? I think rather than uh, rather than white or grey. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean that's the thing with Behringer as well. In terms of the competition, if they if they're up in the game, and in, in terms of the quality of what they're doing, and they're they're keeping their prices low, then. You know, they could it's be going to make a winner. A, it's going to make a big difference to a lot. Sorry about that. That's uh, all the electricity had gone off in the house. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's gone off again, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Post Nam yeah. trauma. Yes, yeah, so. <laughs> so quite big news from Arturia though launching a uh, a competitor for uh, native instruments machine they brought out a new thing now there and they uh, can anyone anyone remember the name of it the Arturia the beats machine they've done that They've, it's kind of a little bit like their analog factory range where it's like what you see in hardware is represented on the screen, but they've done it as a, as a drum machine. And I have to say, I was looking at it, it looks very nicely put together. Oh, yeah, that looked kind of interesting. Yeah, that did. I like the, I particularly like the rotary um, dial part. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. I didn't get a particularly f- fabulous demo, I must admit, but... Uh, but the uh, the Lin looked really nice. The uh, well, not the Lin, the the uh, the, the Tempest, Tempest that you mentioned, Dave. I mean, uh, that does sound sound really nice, and it had loads of. It, it, they all all these sequences now seem to be working on event based stuff, which is kind of the old mono machine, machine drum, electron machine drum way of doing things, where you can parameter lock things onto particular 
So they change per event in the sequencer, and they all seem to be using that as a kind of as a selling point, which is kind of funny considering the Electron Boys have done it for such a long time. But um, it did sound great. Well, what I heard. The thing about the I thought the thing I was thinking about the Tempest is that it takes a very seriously live approach to the application of the performance on the machine and it almost seeks to address the kind of user that's also using live in a ableton's live in a performance situation and things like that where you're triggering events and matching up sequences and you're doing all kinds of both pitched and unpitched behaviors all while the thing is still playing and that whole all while the thing is always playing mantra is what set ableton live apart to begin with and continues to make it very effective for that kind of live performance stuff. So I think it's interesting to see that kind of performance behavior now coming into the hardware world. Mm. Yeah. Well, the uh, the other thing, of course, about the Tempest is it's actually six monosynth voices. I think it's got th- yeah. th- uh, two, LF- two, two VCOs, one sub, and two sample-based uh, VCOs as well uh, per mm-hmm. voice. So you've got a six-voice synth in there as well as a, a as a percussion synth. I mean, I guess it's got really fast uh, envelopes and what have you. And that was pretty cool. Uh, uh, a bit um, more on the drum thing, the Rob Parpin uh, punch. That was really, that sounded brilliant, actually. I really like the sound of that. Um, that was, a, again, a sort of software preview. Uh, the other thing that was really cool was Motu Mac 5 um, version 3. I, ju- I haven't finished the vi- uh, video edit for that, um, but that's that was amazing. They've really sort of gone straight into the kind of uh, um, contact territory with scripting and all sorts of kind of behaviours. Really cool stuff they were doing. Like with, there was a guitar sample they were playing, which just basically revoiced things that you were playing on the fly to prop to, to guitar voicing for chords. Just simple things like that, that and, and various drum aspects that were just really quite sweet. Actually, uh, that was that was something that I'd not seen before, and it's quite a major upgrade for them. Um, oh, I didn't see that. I want to see that. Yeah, I, well, I haven't put it up yet. That's why <laughs> I had to. Ah. I had to. It needs a bit more of a loving edit than I had time to give it at the moment. But uh, another live performance-oriented device that I found really interesting watching your uh, video demo was the Korg uh, Chaos Pad Quad. Yeah, that was, yes. nice. that was really interesting. There was a lot of really cool yeah. stuff you could do with that, and and again, it speaks to this whole live performance kind of interfacing thing human interfacing thing that people are really digging into and i kind of i'm kind of interested in that and i hope it catches on and i hope there are enough gigs out there for people that it's going to work and make it I, I didn't actually see uh i didn't actually i didn't know it was coming and when they said a quad i was thinking wow what's this some kind of like you know got four pads or whatever and i i was sort of i wasn't ready for what it was and it so what they've done is they've taken a lot of the functionality of the chaos pad pro off like usb and midi and kind of sampling or what have you and just given you four separate effects but you can it, it's just a really cool way of accessing those effects and that was that was pretty impressive i don't know how much it's going to be it's not yeah. very much at all actually. it was a, and the guy did a really good <laughs> demo too he was pretty fluent on the thing yeah yeah, yeah, no. It was pretty- I think I think the the guy from Korg said it was going to be about two hundred and ninety nine dollars in the U.S. in your video. Okay, I yep. yeah, could could well have been that. I thought it might have been a bit yep. less, but yeah, but that's that was that was pretty impressive. I agree. Um, and then, um, and then one, one other thing I'm looking forward to is the opportunity to audition SSL's console plugins against the. Ones that I now own by Waves and UA. <laughs> so <laughs> I'll have three different channel strips and three different master bus compressors to try out. Well, who, who said uh, choice was a bad thing? 
Well, I, I think we all did, didn't we? The funny thing, is, the ironic thing is, I was never that big of an SSL guy to begin with. So, <laughs> well, um, the one thing that I did, the Universal Audio uh, UAD oh, satellite, I think it's called, uh, the Firewire thing. Oh yeah, that yeah, was quite yeah. sweet. Um, I, I've got a look at that, and that's like, ooh. So basically, it's the it, you can get a solo and a duo. Uh, is it a quad? I, it's the same format as their as their Big Shark DSP was. That Firewire satellites, and that was not, that looked like a really good idea. I mean, obviously the latency is going to be a little bit higher than it would be on a PCIe, but nonetheless, uh, nice nice stuff. Shame they didn't put controllers on there though, did they? You know, on the UA. Mm, you know, because like the the the, uh, the Focusrite Liquid Mix is kind of alone in its in that sort of uh, DSP, but with hands on control. Just seems a shame if you're going to be kind of lugging a box around that you haven't got any kind of stuck some knobs on it. Yeah, just a few, you know, just sort of that directly related to it. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, Oh, oh, yeah, the uh, Eventide Space. Oh yeah, anyone see that was that sounded absolutely gorgeous. I mean, it was very kind of you'd have to be into long ambient reverbs, really, which I am, fortunately. Yeah, that was (laughs) that was really really nice. It's a beautiful sounding reverberator pedal. And one thing, uh, for those of you who are into the uh, Eventide um, pedal range, um, they've actually fixed it so you can go up programs as well as down programs, or down programs as well as up programs, which seems like it might be um, something that you would have thought was a schoolboy error, but... um, yeah, it's a fairly, mm-hmm. fairly kind of logical thing, but um, and they they weren't too sort of uh, clear about putting that as a software update on the old ones, were they? I asked if that was a possibility, but I think lots of people have now designed their way around it. Yeah, with so it would MIDI leave controllers them, and stuff. leave them standing. But um, I mean, I'm guessing that pedal is going to be retailing around the same price as the the Factor pedals. Yeah, I think so. Um, and a few hundred quid, isn't it? Yeah, and it you know it is it's just reverb, so it, it, you've, I think you've got to be really into reverb to to sort of explore that pedal in its full entirety yeah yeah you, <laughs> i would say um any other highlights let me think dave have you uh, have you got limited time because uh, i know the t- clock is about to tick over to five o'clock oh, well, i was late coming to the uh, to the game here uh, well my my highlight apart from seeing the woman dressed as a guitar which is quite funny <laughs> i missed that <laughs> um, the oh you, i'm sure you talked about the fairlight didn't you i didn't but i did get i haven't put it up yet but i did interview peter vogel Right. So uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased. I, got, I, did, I sort of took a picture. I wasn't, I've got the literature. I've got to follow it up. I wasn't sure how much of, uh, of, a, of a real fella or why anybody would want to do that. But uh, no, my, high, my highlight was I interviewed uh, Frederick Rousseau. Now, I don't know if that name means anything to you. I, I, you I, I asked you that at the time, and I can't remember what you said, but I know it had a lot of names that were quite well, important attached to it. <laughs> he was basically Jar's left-hand man. Sorry, right-hand man. Um, for um, sort of um, con- con- what? <laughs> Sorry, I don't know. The people have got I'm dirty sure. minds on this show. I don't know what. The, what no, no, when you said left-hand man, it just—it was just really funny to me. Ah, okay. <laughs> Okay. He's trying to become his right hand. <laughs> Side out on the left, worked his way around to the right, yeah. I know, he's got two hands, but anyway. Um, he was, yeah, it's yours right-hand man. So he was there at the, co- the concerts in China, for instance. He, was, he, d- he helped him develop the MDB sequencer. And um, he was sort of on stage for the concerts in China, and um, he went on to play most of Zuluk. Um, and he got Adrian Ballou and all the other musicians involved for, for Zuluk. And um, 
he was telling me all this stuff about about the way it was all these kind of secrets. How that? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with concerts in China and the track arpeggiator. You know that track? It, it's well, okay. I don't, but, but but yeah, do carry on. But they had to program the, uh, the the tapes that they got for loading up the, the sequencer. They they left the tapes at home or something. They left them in the in the hotel. Don't. So they had to kind of pro- program the arpeggiator live on stage, <laughs> and, and things like um, when when Zulok came out in 1985, um, Dreyfus Records phoned him up and says, "You have killed my artist." Um, anyway, he he, went, he then went on to, to program uh, the, all the all the synths for um, for La Défense, which was the concert they did in in. Um, which is, you know, in Guinness Book of Records, is the biggest concert in the world—two and a half million people in um, uh, in Paris. And but he also, at the same time, so so after he was working with Jar, he then went to work with Van Gelis. Oh, so wow. he also he also programmed, did a lot of the programming for for the Blade Runner soundtrack, and he programmed all the sequences and a lot of the synths for the, the Friends of Mr. Cairo, you know, the John and Van Gelis sort of album, I'll Find My Way Home, and all that kind of stuff. And um, I just start listening to him talk about how Vangelis first had a MIDI keyboard and tried to plug the MIDI cable into the jack, and you know, so this, and said this MIDI thing is a piece of shit, you know, all this kind of stuff. He said, no, no, Vangelis, it doesn't work like that. It's digital, you know, it's not audio. Boy, Vangelis, no, yeah, no. <laughs> but I just, I, I mean, now what Rousseau is doing is um, he's working for the AirCam Institute. You know, the um, uh, inevitably, the, the, yeah. The music instrument, uh, the musical institute in France, and he's helping to commercialise their products. And hence, you've got the Flux tools, which are the Ercam um, instruments. Um, but he was talking about uh, he was talking about the sort of technology. But he and, but he, he kept referencing Van Gogh and Jar, and I could have just sat there and listened to him. Is this going to be all... coming up in um, in a in a in a uh, press Oh yeah, yeah. There's going oh. to be. I'm going to get the full. I mean, he talked for about fifty minutes, but being French and he talked very fast. But I tell you, the, the one thing, the one really cool thing that he talked about. I said to him, "What sort of tools have you, have you got coming out that that you that you're working on?" And because he was all about, I don't want to hear. He said, "What's wrong with the Nam show? It's all EQs. It's all compressors. I've heard it all before. You know, I want new things. I want things that are doing something new." And I said, "So, what sort of thing do you think you'll you'll be able to do?" And he said, "Well, one of the things, and I hope this was kind of on the record because I'm going to tell you because it's just so outrageous." He said, "One of the things they were talking about, or one of the things they're looking at, is having you say, Nick, yeah, um, record your voice into." A, you know, a computer or whatever, and then I grab the mic, and then I talk as you, in real time. Oh, is that good? So not, you know, not pitch shifting, not not harmonising, not not auto tuning, but actual kind of um, super intelligent high speed word replacement of my vocal sounds with your vocal sounds. Oh, that has all and sorts he, of ramifications, <laughs> doesn't it? Whoa! Wait wow. a minute. <laughs> and uh, he said, I mean, that's scary, I mean, scary stuff. He said the, the way they've been testing it, they've been putting, um, they've been putting Nicolas Sarkozy's speeches in the voice of Charles de Gaulle, <laughs> <laughs> apparently, or Napoleon. Perhaps. But you know, the, 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 the possibilities, the possibilities are limitless. But also, you know, the kind of the moral. Uh, what it means for sort of if you can't get you you could sample a, a dead actor for instance and you could without using an impersonator you could have dead actors or dead singers um, imitated um, in real time. Wow. It, not unlike the the um, the Zenth stuff you know with the piano the, the Glenn Gold and all the stuff they're doing with that with analysing the pianist and the way that they they do that. But that's just notes on a piano and you've got certain inflections. But this is the whole vocabulary and this is the whole. You know, so this is—I don't know how far away this is, but this is the stuff he was talking about, and it's pretty, uh, 
pretty amazing stuff. That does sound like it anyway. kind of would be fairly... Yeah, I'll look forward to that. Um, what, what issue will that be out in then, Dave? Um, I'm, I'm not sure yet. Depends when I can get around to writing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Probably March. Probably March or even April, but uh, I'll let you know. Dave's been very quiet this week. Yeah. Were you at the show, Dave? No, no, no. First year I haven't gone for years. Oh, I was going to say, I thought I'd bumped into you somewhere. But no, no. no, it was a day free, a day free, a day free nam. I, I did also meet Dave from uh, uh, the guy. Who, remember the guy who played the banjo on the answer phone a couple of times. I met him there anyway. <laughs> he came up and said hi. hi. So it was hi to him, Dave. Hi to Dave. I'm trying to remember what, what city he was from, but he's an avid listener to the show. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's any other shout outs I need to do. I don't think so. I think we're pretty much covered there, but I just wanted to get that one in. Um, what else have we got then? There, there is actually a whole bunch of stuff that's still got to go. Um, the Kemper, we saw the Kemper uh, modelling app, and I, I remember um, when we were discussing it in the pre-NAM show, uh, we were talking, we weren't sure how it was going to be, uh, you know, whether it was got an amp in it. And it is it is just a preamp, but there is a massive hole in the back of it that you could put an amp in too. So there's an answer. They're going to do it in two versions, yeah. one with an amp in, one without an amp. So there's, there's a... There's a, an answer for you. Um, the what was the other thing that they said about it? Uh, I forget now. It's gone. Did you see the the blue mic microphone reactor? Now that looked really odd to me. I couldn't. Is that the one with the valve in it and the sort of hole and the? Yes, I did see it because we spoke to Skip on the pre the preview day. I think Andy went and filmed that, so I don't have any immediate mm-hmm. uh, uh, information on it. <laughs> but it looked kind okay. of funky. Looks really odd. Yeah, interesting. Anything else from you, Rich? Um, I saw some people on the chat thing talking earlier about the uh, iConnect, which is the um, the little sort of port that lets you plug MIDI controllers into iPads or. Oh yeah, you you shot something on that, didn't you? Yeah, he came and uh, sort of like commandeered me when I was trying to trying to get to an interview, but um, it looks really cool. I think he had uh, sort of like three little. Keyboards plugged in and uh, and some pads, and you're setting up some drum loops and doing some stuff. On, that's the MIDI on that. in, uh, MIDI interface, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the M Audio Venom. Ah, yes, of course. How could I forget? Did an interview with uh, spoke to uh, I'm forgetting his name, uh, the guy who developed it, and he gave me uh, a, a lowdown on it. It sounded quite good, actually. It is uh, when they said it's quite aggressive and sort of pointy. That's definitely it was not uh, like a virus, is it? No, it's not like a virus. I mean, because a virus is quite, can be very analog. It was, it was, just, it was a. It has a sound. I'd say it has a sound. It's very sort of also bitty and maybe oscillating. But it, I didn't get a chance to flip through that many presets. I wandered past again and sort of tr- had a try, but I didn't get the ch- the opportunity to kind of really give it a good workout because I wasn't entirely sure I had it in the right mode. But it was quite yeah, it was quite pleasant. It's good bottom end actually. So you know, I think it's the basic. Got- Four knobs on it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> That's true. Need we say more? Well, there are lots of things that don't have many knobs on that still work. But yeah, I mean, it's also it's only like four hundred ninety-nine for fifty bucks. Heck, there's a Kai LPK twenty-five has almost as many. Yeah, but it hasn't got a synth inside it. I mean, it's not the back. Yeah, can, but the audio, on it. the audio interface uh, aspect of it though did look a little bit more uh, comprehensive than I was expecting. There, there was. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, eight knobs would have been nicer, but I think the simplicity was definitely and, what they were looking dial at. And 
styling around that matrix on the top of the it's, thing that looks like an old adrenaline. It just uh, uh, was, it is uh, it's it's pig moving. ugly though. It is pig ugly. <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah, I gotta I gotta say. I mean, for for a synthesizer called the Venom, they could have made the thing black yeah. or red. Or, it could look yeah. like an AC Cobra. <laughs> I think with scale. Yeah, I think I, I edited that. I am going to have to leave you, I'm afraid. Uh, Dave Robinson, ProSoundNewsEurope.com. We'll look forward to that uh, interview. Uh, thank you very I much for joining us. Yeah, I'll speak to you soon. Okay, take care. Cheers, Dave. Cheers, thank you. Uh, QB6 is quite big news. Yeah, it is. Um, but <laughs> I went and had a demo, and it was kind of like, these are features that, you know, I was even, that Logic even has got. You know, it, there, there wasn't kind of an awful lot in there that made me go, oh, oh, actually, no, there was one really cool thing, which is, I don't know what the feature's called, but it's to do with MIDI. And it's the ability to have um, event-based controllers. Oh, yeah. So you can have pitch bend note. on a note rather than on the entire channel. So it de-channelizes and creates event. That was, that's potentially quite a big deal. So it's kind of almost, it's weird. It's like um, Melodyne DNA, but for MIDI. But there's only actually one. Um, there's only actually one uh, uh, synth that can do that, and that's a Steinberg v- plugin um, at the moment. But I'm guessing there will be more coming along because they put it into the VST3 standard, so it's going to be, you know, an open. Uh, it's going to be open. So I guess it's just down to who adapts it. I think a lot of people were just complaining that it hasn't really moved on much since uh, even SX3, which is a long time ago. But I, I only caught bits and bobs of the. Um, the demo when I was, yeah. when I was walking. Well, past. I mean, we, it wasn't massively deep. I mean, it was kind of. Uh, I think the main thing was you can now call, you can now phase lock and group tracks together. Woohoo! Uh, and <laughs> and quantize and quantize. I mean, I mean, I know that sounds. I mean, because you know. What year is this? What year is this? <laughs> well, to be fair, Logic Studio only really got that what last year. So you know, it's not. Uh, it's just a bit behind, I suppose. But Logic was a hell of a lot behind. So. I, I, I suspect their user base will be happy if this is a working version three. Right. I mean, I couldn't. I don't use Cubase, so I'm not. I don't know how uh, how stable or not it isn't, it is or isn't. But uh, you know, apparently. But well, no, he did mention afterwards. He said the best thing about it is of actually all of the machines that were running on the demo station. There were quite a lot of machines going. He said I haven't had to reboot any of them this week, which you know, and that wasn't on camera. That was kind of that wasn't for the camera. That was just something he said to me. You know. As a sort of, and that's a real, that's really good news. So I'm guessing, really, that was, uh, yeah, that that's maybe that's uh, something that has been addressed. Hey Nick, yes, within Cubase, are they releasing those Portico plugins that Yamaha has designed with Rupert Nave's blessing? I really couldn't say. He didn't mention that. I didn't ask, and I, he didn't mention it. So I do not know. Okay. Uh, because you're a Cubase okay. user, right? Aren't you? Uh, intermittently, I am, yes. Right, okay. But um, I, I don't know where, you know, where the whole kind of Cubase thing is going. I mean, it's it's the same with everybody, isn't it? You know, we get to the stage where all the doors are pretty much kind of doing the same thing as everybody else. It's just some of I'll them being more efficient. I'll say this about Cubase. I've had a love-hate relationship with that, with that program for a long time when I kind Me of too. migrated over to the PC. And um, Cubase 5 is very stable. Okay. So... Uh, yeah, it's Good. it's it's stable software. I've never I've never had any problem with it. And as far as its feature set is concerned, you can do pretty much pretty much what you can do in in 
most other DAWs if you know how to get, you know, work your way around Cubase. And Cubase's MIDI functionality is really pretty good. Yeah, it's we'll got it's got a well. good logical ed- mm-hmm. editor, and yeah, uh-huh. it's mm-hmm. it's it's decent. Yep. I think um, uh, John Van Eaton has joined the chat room. I just want to say hi to him after saying hi to him in person. Um, as I already said, the shout outs, but it was nice to meet um, a few, and a few people came up and made themselves known to me. I'm sorry if I can't remember anything about it, but it's the nature of the show. I'm sure if you were there, you understand what, what, uh, (laughs) what I was going through. So yeah, it's one of those things that, um, that mean, you know, you just don't remember anything after a little while. I mean, Rich, you know what it's like. You, you were a first timer. I mean, what do you, what do you sort of make of this kind of event? I mean, was it sort of more or less what you expected or different? Um, I think it was almost actually spot on how you described it, and that's that's what I was expecting. Um, I thought it would be more of a sort of a struggle to find things that I wanted to look at inside inside the halls, but you know, it was everywhere you turned, there was something that caught your eye, and and some of it looked a bit gimmicky, and some of it was actually really really useful. Yeah, there was quite a lot of new releases. I mean, that's on a, on the whole. I mean, I think I don't think we were light in terms of new stuff. So that's kind of you know something that's that, that's encouraging, I guess. I mean, one thing that was quite interesting is on the, uh, the there was something called the iCade, which was on the Ion Audio stand, which is kind of a, a sub brand of the Newmark Alesis Akai kind of conglomerate, and that's just come you know that was like a little arcade machine that you put an iPad in. So it's kind of like a tiny little arcade um, cabinet that with an iPad in, you get a, a, a proper arcade joystick and those big fat buttons. And that was beautiful, actually. And that, But one of the things that was clear from that, and this is something that I think other manufacturers tend to do, you know, you go to a show like this and you bring some up prototypes to see what you should focus on making first. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what you get to a certain degree. I mean, it's not all kind of final release stuff. It's it's sort of test the water stuff in a lot of instances. And that's but that's quite interesting to be able to see where it's going and see what what people are kind of uh, looking at there. Really, I quite like that aspect to it. Can I just ask I like a, the show? It, that was for me. What's that? <laughs> the, the arcade? The iCade, yeah. 99 bucks. I was, talk- I, I was talking to the bloke, um, and he'd just come from CES, and he said he did so many media in- interviews at CES. Just said it was just one after the other. The other. Every single media outlet just covered it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> could be good. Oh, Gaz, sorry, you were just... Uh... Yeah. No, I, I was just going to ask, uh, who did... It's a kind of not a very important question, but I was just wondering, who did you think was the best product demonstrator? Ooh. Ooh, yeah. Oh, what say. was the most enjoyable? That's interesting. Uh, Colin from uh, is he from DSP? Colin McDowell. Yeah. That uh, oh yeah yeah Rich 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 had the Colin McDowell experience where you go up and you talk to him and uh, you know he's one guy and then you switch the camera <laughs> yeah. on and he's somebody else <laughs> and it really is kind of face. that's a good question, Gaz. Um, gosh. Uh, blimey. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know if I could recall, to be perfectly honest. Uh, I'm just trying to think of the, in terms of... A lot of the guitar guys are really good this year, actually. Um, I'll tell you the best thing I saw, and I'm going to put a video up of it. Um, hopefully I won't get into trouble of it. I went downstairs on the Sunday, and downstairs is kind of where there's all the sort of wooden products, the kind of stringed instruments like ukuleles, acoustic stuff. And I walked. I just walked around the corner, and there was this guy uh, with long white hair playing. I don't know what they call them, but it's like a a lap steel, but an acoustic one. I guess that's what it is. He was called Ed Gerhard. Ed Gerhard. And it was it was so beautiful that it was it was just a moment. We all saw, there was lots of people who just stopped and were just looking at him, and it kind of made you think. 
Oh, this is right. Yeah, th- there are people who can play beautiful things. And, enti- and this guy was so completely in control of the instrument. I mean, it was just absolutely spellbinding and almost, you know, almost sort of emotionally kind of, because you almost tell all these people were nearly crying because they hadn't actually had <laughs> anything like that for the last few days. You know, something <laughs> that was so sincere and so beautiful and so brilliantly played. If you get a chance to check him out, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. And I've got a little clip, um, but it was amazing. And you and downstairs on Sunday was a lot of that, a lot of very beautiful sort of gentle acoustic playing, and that's something I can recommend if you're there on a Sunday and you want to sort of decompress a little bit. It's at least mm-hmm. some goes some way towards it. Um, uh, but the best demonstrator, I mean, he was the best demonstrator, but he wasn't really. He was just he was working. Uh, he was working on the Breedlove stand, so it was he was using a Breedlove acoustic guitar. Uh, so that was kind of for me probably the best. But oh, hang the- on, uh, the guy who's doing the Boss Loop stuff. Ah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. What's his name? Uh, uh, Debefex. Yeah, he is pretty astonishing. On the Roland stand, Roland, um, that they've got some new loop pedals out, which I forget what they are. Um, but he's he's like a beatboxer, but singer and plays ba- and sings bass lines and stuff and builds them up into these loopers, and he's. But he was so not Roland. So every time that he played something and there were Roland people around there because they did the press conference and all the Japanese people freaked out because he was so good and so creative and mm-hmm. really amazing. And he was, uh, he was, at, uh, they were hosting the world, uh, looper looping championship, beat, beat, beatboxing looper, looper championships. And, um, he couldn't actually, um, unfortunately participate because he worked for Roland. That's a shame because he would have won it easily, but he was judging. So mm. I guess the person who won was probably going to be pretty good. And one last one, um, John Moore was showing the V piano grand, um, which sounded lovely. And we got a piece with, uh, I forget the name of the concert pianist. She was playing some, uh, Rachmaninoff and it, that was pretty impressive. And that sounded lovely. It was the same sort of thing as the Yamaha thing because it had speakers in it that were designed to, you know, multi-channel speakers to get the most of the uh, of the virtualization of it all and all that sort of thing. Um, yes. Hey, Nick. Yeah. Did, did Rob Marcello do a boss demo this year? On he guitar? did, of course. I did something. And with did Rob. you film it? I did. I've got a Rob Marcello demo. I'm, I must see it. <laughs> he's got the most <laughs> insane chops. He's yeah, he's ridiculous. an amazing guitarist. He I always see seems totally. Yeah, no, he's great. Great guitarist. Very, very good guitarist. I'm um, just looking through the uh, huge there's, list. There's a, there's a little cork, isn't there? That, that looks like a tiny little grand piano. Oh yeah, the micro piano. That's very. Is, uh, is it a micro piano? What does it sound like? Uh, it sounded all right. Yeah, it's very funny. Uh, they were uh, they were all joking that they wanted to use uh, Schroeder from uh, Charlie Brown to kind of <laughs> to, to do it, but uh, yeah. they couldn't get it past the copyright. But yeah, it's a cute little thing. Very cute. Did you film the roads? The roads, roads. No, the real roads. No, I didn't. The, the um, the Waldorf, Waldorf, Waldorf one. one. Yes, I yeah. did. Uh, um, the guy uh, was the maker. Yes, I, I did. That was quite nice, actually. Because I mean, I, I saw the review and I obviously edited it. Um, but I couldn't tell whether it still had the softness and the. Sort of- I think it could. I mean, it was uh, the one thing about that. It was. It's just still really. I said, "Why is it so?" I asked him. I said, "Why is it so big?" Yeah. And he said, um, "It used to be bigger. We've made it smaller." And I was thinking, was "Well, like that, that's not really that, that's not really an answer." And I said, "But doesn't it?" He said, "Yeah, it's only sixty kilograms." Yeah. I'm thinking, "That's a person. Isn't right. that quite a lot? That's that's <laughs> actually quite heavy, isn't it?" <laughs> it's a lot of money as well, isn't it? Is it? It's it's this. It's totally digital as well. Isn't it? Um, no, some of it's sample based and some of it's modelled. 
It's kind of right. It's, it's not mechanical at all. I don't believe so. No. no, I don't believe it is. Uh, I'm just looking for anything else that I can see here. Uh, I, I've run out. I have. I don't think I've got anything else to add. But uh, the Chronos, in terms of views, the Chronos got us a lot of a lot, a heck of a lot of interest. Really, like an enormous amount of interest. Um, I did something with the. Um, do you remember the foot, the pedal board thing, the foot controller that, that we talked about. The, uh, the that enabled you to sort of rotate. And I got a demo of that, and that was quite interesting oh, as well. Yeah. Um, I, I, I again, the, these are all coming to mind, but they're not online yet. We've got so much stuff to video, video still to go up. It's going to keep us going for ages, I think. By the looks of things. Oh, TC have just um, discontinued the power core as well. I've just heard, and they're offering cross grades to Universal Audio. So. One less uh, DSP accelerator. Looks like that's U- interesting. UA are going to clean up. I don't know wow, if they're going to let them. Really interesting. I don't know if they're going to let them port some of the stuff that you can't get anywhere else onto it. But uh, mm. who knows? Anyway, mm. I, I, that's probably us for this week. I mean, that is our post NAM roundup. I'm sure we probably they'll still be spilling into next week because there's so much of it still to come. But thank you everybody um, for joining us this week. And it was short notice because I didn't get the email out till this morning because <laughs> I was—I I fell asleep as soon as I got home. I woke up at midnight, unfortunately, and uh, but managed to force myself back to sleep. Yes. What about the Kataro thing? That's also something we could talk about next week as well. But uh, yeah. right now, I've got to get home and figure out why the um, why the electricity's powered off. Uh, fortunately, it didn't happen in the studio. But before we go, we actually say goodbye to all of our li- uh, our participants. Uh, we'll start with the furthest afield, who I suspect is going to be uh, PJ Tracy in Minneapolis. Oh, thank you for having me, Nick. It was a real pleasure. Always fun to. To geek out post Nam. Oh, yeah. Well, thanks for <laughs> thanks for joining you and uh, joining us at pjtracymusic.com. You can find more PJness there. And we're moving over to uh, the East Coast, where I guess Rich, you're probably st- are you still stuck in the middle of a snowstorm. It's snowing, and we weren't even expecting it today. It's been snowing. We've had quite a January so far. Let's just put it that way. PJ would find it all too familiar, I'm sure. Yes, sir. Rich, thank you very much for joining us. I'm sorry we didn't get to hook up in person in uh, LA, but I'm glad you got back home safely. Uh, obviously, uh, myspace.com forward slash Hiltonius. And uh, finally, uh, or not, not finally at all, Gaz Williams, you're in Bristol. I think you probably, quite, no, I, I think I will go to uh, Dave Spears because he's slightly further afield. Dave Spears, <laughs> G4 Software. Um, I think that um, you'll probably... Good. To, you're lucky you got out alive, to be honest. I think, uh, but you'll be back again, I'm sure, to the show, and uh, hopefully you would be able to live some of it vicariously through our own experience. Yeah, no, it was great. Really good coverage. It was, like I said before the show, it was quite interesting because whilst my mind wasn't there initially, when it got to about sort of four o'clock here, I was like, "Oh, what's the time in the states?" And then I'd spent probably about the next four hours just catching up on stuff as it came online. But yeah, great coverage. Thank you very much. And anyway, um, I guess it enabled you to do good things at home. So uh, hopefully we'll be hearing news from you soon. But um, in the meantime, see you next week. And uh, thanks for joining us, Dave. And finally, finally, Gaz Williams over in Bristol. Mm -hmm. Thank you for joining us too. And also for your avid uh, reading of the news. I'm glad (laughs) to see you. You probably bumped up our page views significantly. So thanks very much for that. Thank you. But uh, so once again with the URL, I think was it uh, songsurgeon.com? Oh, yes. So, no, .co.uk. Songsurgeon.com is something altogether different. <laughs> uh, songsurgeon.co.uk. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, that was Sonic Talk number 203. Uh, it's a wrap.